0: The sermon title in your program is For Another Sermon, it will be preached sometime, maybe. And yet, following Jesus really is ultimately the title of any sermon, every sermon that we preach. Really, that's, that's the essence of what we're about, is following Jesus. I want to start this morning, and those of you who are alert probably noticed the scripture reading was the same this week as last week, because I think some of the things that Jim talked about last week are are especially relevant for us today. In Matthew 16, Jesus has gone up to to Caesarea Philippi, it's on the, the very north end of of, of the the country. You know, when, when Solomon and, and David had been king, that was as far as the kingdom extended pretty much up Mount Hermon, you maybe heard of. It's a very scenic area. But but it was very much not a part of kind of the, the, the main Jewish nation at this time. There that's where when the northern kingdoms broke off, Rehobo- or Jeroboam put one of the golden calves in Dan, very close to where Caesarea Philippi ultimately ends up. There were probably a dozen or more uh, temples to Baal in that area, probably not used a lot by the time of Jesus, but still around. One of the features of that town was what was called the Grotto of Pan. Um, Pan being one of the the, the uh, Greek-Roman gods. And it had this water that came out, kind of a lake inside that people thought might be bottomless. Uh, sounds would kind of come out because of, of the, the, the grotto being, you know, just caves and wind and all that stuff. And, and many people thought maybe that was the entrance to the underworld. That that's how you could get to Hades. And you could go through this entrance. And then nearby, just 30, 40 years earlier, Herod had built a temple in honor of uh, Augustus, the the emperor of of Rome. Uh, And then it was his son who had named it Caesarea in in honor of the Caesars. uh, as, As this idea of worshiping the emperor kind of started to move through the Roman Empire, because it was his. Herod's son, Philip, who named it, it became Caesarea Philippi because there were other Caesareas named in honor of Caesar out there. So so Jesus goes to an area that is very much a pagan, worldly center. And that's where he asks his disciples, who do people say I am? And his disciples provide their answers. They say, well, you know, rattle them all off there. And and Jesus then drives home the the question of, well, who do you say I am? Well, Let's let's make this practical. Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus' right answer. And, And he talks about how he's going to build his church on that rock, this idea that it's who he is. Jesus is reminding them he is building his church in the midst of a place where people didn't think about God, at least not Jehovah God. They thought it about their gods, the gods of all the, you know, of the world, maybe where you would go and find the gods, or, or thinking about this entrance to Hades and, and death and that this was sort of, you know, the, the power of death was there. But Jesus says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And even the gates of Hades aren't going to prevail against it. All this stuff that you might be concerned about, whether it's, you know, the, the pagan bales death and, and, and the Roman gods, if it's the worship of Caesar, I'm the one who's building my church and it is going to prevail. And that's still true. We sometimes look and say, well, what's going on here? What's happening to us? What about us right now? And, and, and this morning we kind of feel like, well, yeah, what, where are we? The message still stands. Jesus has built his church. He's in control. Nothing is going to stop it. Nothing will prevail against what he has started. Even if we don't know what that might look like, even if we have no idea what to expect, Jesus is still in control always has been, always will be. There's where our assurance is. There's where our hope is. Perhaps brought more clear to us as we realize we're fragile. We have things that are beyond our control. We have just... Over and over. And and you all have things this week as well. Every day this week, things happen that you said, this isn't the way it ought to be. And that's true. But we serve a God who will one day make it the way it's supposed to be. There is our hope. There's our confidence. There's our assurance. He has built his church, and it will not fail a lot of us will we'll mess up we'll make mistakes jesus will not and that's our hope there's a lot of questions that we look at and say well what about this what about that i don't even know if i know all the questions don't know the answers god does And he may or may not let us know what those are. I may never know the answers, and that's okay. I know the one who has the answers. And what I know is, he built his church with the intent of it being the way that his kingdom moved through the world. The church was not some afterthought. Jesus did it with the intention of it making a difference, of being a way that his kingdom spread. And that's still true for us today and every day. We are here to see God's kingdom move forward. In Ephesians chapter 4, The book of Ephesians talks a lot about the church. In, in verse 12, of chapter, or verse 11, he begins he, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Again, God has provided a lot of different things. He rattles off. You know, yes, you've got the apostles and the prophets who kind of got everything going. You've got evangelists. You've, you've, you've got the pastors. We've got people teaching. God puts everybody together. Other passages remind us that we all fill a role in the body. Each one of us. Would, you know, you look at your own body. You've got parts, some of them, are more prominent than others, or or maybe you see more visibly, but every part of your body matters. Uh, People talk about, you know, they've, they've perhaps had an injured toe, little toe, pretty little, and yet when it's that way, your body responds, because every part of your body plays a role in the body. And, and so we might say, well, you know, Jim is not here. No, but everybody here is part of the body. We all have our role. And none of this was a surprise to God. He's brought us all together for whatever our role is and will be. Perhaps some of you will now have a new role. There may be something that will be different. That will probably happen over time Anyway. How is God going to be moving you into your role? How are you going to respond as he calls you to something different, maybe, from what you've been doing in the past? In, in Acts chapter four, kind of back up the in, leading up to this, Peter and John have gone up to the temple to pray. There was a beggar there. They healed him. That seems like something that ought to be viewed as a good thing. And and from the beggar's perspective, it was. He was excited because he could walk and jump. Okay, he was no longer constrained. Peter and John made it real clear. We did this by Jesus' name, Jesus' power. And that didn't sit well with the people who kind of ran the temple, because they had tried to kill Jesus. Well, they had killed him. And he'd come back, and that really bothered them because they didn't believe in resurrection. Okay, they just, things were not going well for them. And as Peter and John talk about that, and people start listening because, hey, this Jesus seems like he's somebody worth listening, learning about, if, if he can, can heal a beggar who's lame. Peter and John are arrested they're, they're told not to talk about Jesus anymore, and, and they basically said, no, you know, we're, we're going to keep talking about him. But I want you to notice what happens when they're released, chapter 4, verse 23. They go back and find everybody and tell what's happened. And then the way the body responds, I think, is, is an important thing to consider here. When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. And said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth, and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand against the rulers and were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, They were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. What they were facing is different than what we're facing in in terms of the specific details. But but nonetheless remains, they were sitting in a situation where they said, we've got something going on that's tough, we've got a problem. And so they turned to God and prayed. But notice what they prayed for. They didn't pray, God, can you make this all go away? Can you make it easy? They said, God, you see what's going on? There are things happening that are working against us. We see Satan doing stuff. It's not surprising that they... They say, God, you told us this was going to happen. You know, rattle off some, some quotes from Psalms there and say, we knew, we should have known, we knew this was going to happen. It's happening. Look at it, God. We're facing just what you told us was going to happen. So help us go forward. Help us be bold. Help us do what we're supposed to do. A situation where things are not the way we want is not the time to give up, to find despair. Yes, there's some mourning that we need to go through, absolutely. We, we, we absolutely need to, to do that. It's not the way the world mourns, because we've got hope, but there is mourning. And yet in the midst of this is also the awareness that we have a God who is in control, that we can pray and say, God, help us to find boldness to speak your word. Because if there's ever a time when people need to hear the word of God, it's when they are coming face to face with their mortality. Because there is only one solution as we face the the issue of death, and that is in Jesus. And when we're in Jesus, it's it's Revelation 16, Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are those who die in the name of the Lord. That's where our assurance, our hope, our comfort, our joy is, is that we have that hope. So I'm going to take just a few moments here. I'll give you a chance to pray, then I'll lead us in a prayer. Being aware of, yes, there are problems going on. God told us they were going to happen. We are facing them but also asking for his boldness to move forward with the coffins, And and here's the thing. You know what God did with that prayer? He answered it. And they went forward and proclaimed boldly. Take a moment and everybody can pray, and then I will lead us in a prayer. Father, we, we remember how Jesus told us we would have trials. We would have troubles in this world. He also reminded us that he had overcome the world. And, and so, you, you know now that we're, we're hurting. We've lost someone we care about. We, things that, that we thought we knew maybe what were going to happen, is, uh, some things are up in the air. And yet, Father, we know that You knew this was going to happen. You're still in control. So help us, as your body here, to rise up with boldness, with confidence, with assurance, to proclaim your message, to let people know that there is a living God, that you have a living Son, your spirit's alive within us, that there is life, there is hope because of Jesus, and that we have that assurance and the confidence that he is in control now and forever when we're with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We are going to do an invitation song. Rogers got picked out here. Let me encourage you, if you haven't started following Jesus, you need to. Just to be real clear, Jim was able to have that confidence through his life that if he died, he was a child of God. If some of you aren't, you need to change because you don't have that confidence. Today's a good day to do it. Others of you just... May value some prayers. I got an email last night from somebody late saying it's too late to talk, but I, you know, I wish I could talk to somebody. You know, I'm still awake, but probably she didn't get it until this morning. We'll have the elders at the back. Uh, Dean and I will be up here in front. If you need to talk to somebody, do it. Or we'll talk with each other afterward. But whatever it is that we can do to help you in your walk with God, please take advantage of that. Let's help you as we stand and sing.